are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Look with me in Mark chapter number 6 tonight. And we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Mark chapter 6. And verse number 1, we'll read down through verse number 6. Mark chapter 6, the Bible says, And he, speaking of Jesus, went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Verse number four, the Bible says, And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Verse number six says, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the villages teaching. Tonight I'm going to preach a message on the subject here in this passage of Scripture, on this subject of here of what could make the Son of Man marvel. What could make the Son of Man marvel? Let's bow forward a prayer tonight and ask God's blessings as we preach. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be in your house tonight, and Lord, I pray that you might bless in the preaching of your word We thank you for the song service, Lord, and how you've spoke to our heart, Lord, from the beginning of the opening song, Lord, from the choir specials to the special music. Lord, I pray that you might continue to speak to our heart tonight. Help us to realize, Lord, there's a great need in our life, Lord, to express faith in you through our obedience. And Lord, I pray that you might speak to our heart tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage of scripture here, Jesus, we know he spent the First 30 years of his earthly life in the small city of Nazareth. Mary and Joseph obviously both lived there. Joseph was from the city of Bethlehem, but they they made their home and they made their place of residence in Nazareth. And Joseph, the Bible tells us, was a carpenter by trade. And Jesus naturally would have learned the trade of a carpenter through his father. And this is where the city, this is the city where Mary also was when the angel Gabriel came to her and announced that she would give birth to Jesus. But the Bible describes here that when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he spent most of his time in the city of Capernaum as a base to work out of. The Bible describes, as you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, only a few times did he go back to his native in his hometown of Nazareth. Neither one of them turned out very well, and this being being one of them. In verse number six, we find where the Bible tells us that Jesus, the Bible says he he marveled because of their unbelief and the works that he did there among them, the Bible says, were limited because of it. Soon after, the Bible says there, Jesus left Nazareth and then began to go to the smaller villages all around Nazareth. And the Bible says, teaching and preaching to them. And when you read commentators, some say that uh, his work and his uh, ministry of miracles were scaled back. And he focused more on the teaching and preaching to those around him. There are only two places in the New Testament where we find that something 
made our Savior marvel. And I find it interesting as you scan the scriptures tonight that both of them have to do with people's faith. And in one instance, the Bible describes that he marvels because there was not so great a faith found in all of Israel. But we find here in Mark chapter number 6, he marvels because of their unbelief, or we would say lack of faith. They were, they were skeptical about the living word of God that was standing right before them. They were skeptical of the things that he said. They were skeptical of the things that he was, that he was teaching, that he was preaching. They were, they were skeptical about what they had known about him previously and about what he was telling them and preaching to them right before their very eyes. I wonder tonight what would be the case of you and I here tonight. It's either one or the other. God would marvel at our faith or God would marvel at our lack of faith. Now tonight we know the history of this church that no one could doubt the faith that God has blessed at North Valley Baptist Church over the years. God has used the people of North Valley Baptist Church and our pastor to do amazing things through the power of God, but it begins by faith, and the impossible has been seen by faith. But how about you personally? How about you and I tonight individually as God's people? Because either we as God's people, we are allowing God to work through us because of our faith. We are allowing God to do mighty works through our life because of our faith. And we are living a Christian life and we are raising our family for God because of our faith in the Word of God. Or we are simply living in unbelief and in skepticism about what God's Word says. Our faith is always proven by obedience to the Bible. Tonight I find it hard in light of all that God has done in the past and all that God has done throughout his word and throughout the history of mankind. I find it hard to believe tonight that God is done accomplishing all that he desires to do in the matter of souls, in the matter of the Great Commission, in the matter of preparing a, a new generation to take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit and go and preach the gospel to those that are lost. I find it hard that God is done accomplishing all that he wants to do. But it will be either gone forward by our faith in him, our obedience to his word, or it will be held back by our unbelief and our skepticism about his, what his word says. Tonight we're going to go on a journey as we look through Mark chapter number 6. I want, to, I want us to, 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 to get settled in tonight and, and we're going to see some things and I want us to see where we will realize and understand that there was a very specific reason that the people of Nazareth had such unbelief, so much so that the Bible says Jesus would marvel. They did not have unbelief because they were disinterested. What we're going to see tonight, they were very interested in what Jesus had to say. They were very interested in hearing the works that he had done and hearing about all that he had done with his disciples and where they had traveled and where they had gone about. It was not, he was not marveling at their unbelief because they were disinterested in the things of God. It wasn't because they didn't want the blind to see or the lame to walk. We can read accounts all throughout the Gospels that they, that they brought their lame and their blind and, and their, those that were possessed by demons, they brought them to Jesus by the scores and he healed them. They did not believe Jesus because they weren't interested, because they didn't want people to see or lame to walk. No, there was a very specific reason for their unbelief and for Jesus' amazement. 
And I think tonight we're going to see that that can be the same things in our life tonight that could cause God to marvel at our unbelief if we're not careful. I want you to see, first of all, tonight, look with me in verse number one. We see that there was a familiar place. The Bible says, and he went out from thence and came, look at this, the Bible says, into his own country. And his disciples follow him. And the Bible says in verse number two, and when, the day, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now, when anyone returns, you think about it tonight, to their hometown, there is a certain sense of anticipation. I oftentimes ask people when I meet them, and when I've met many of you, I've asked you, where are you, where are you from? Some are here tonight, and you're not even from this country, but God has brought you here, and you're, you're glad, and you're, 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 you're serving God here, and God has plugged you in here, and you're excited about it. But many people that we meet throughout life aren't from where they are. And when you go back home, many times there was a great anticipation of what it is going to be like and if things are going to be the same as you remember them as they once were. For some it could be bad, others it could be good. Now for Jesus, our Savior, I believe it was a good thing. I believe in his, in his mind that was 100% humanity as well as 100% God. I believe there were, there were thoughts and there were memories uh, flooding back in his mind from the first 30 years that he grew up in that area of Nazareth. Now, the Bible is silent on most of the childhood years of our Savior, but what a time it must have been. You think about him growing up as a child. We're, my wife and I are raising three boys, and I can just imagine what it would be like if, if they were sinless, if uh, they were perfect, if they were right all the time. But Jesus had that type of a childhood, and all of the memories that must have come back of all the things that he did as a, as a boy who was under submission to Joseph, his, his earthly father, and Mary, his mother, and, and living and growing up and growing in stature and favor with God and with man. All those memories come flooding back over the last 30 years, but no sin, no getting into trouble. Sounds a lot like my childhood. You're laughing. But he's just coming back from a successful time spent in ministry. He's entering now the, the peak of his earthly ministry. Crowds are growing. Crowds are beginning to, to follow Jesus. And they're, they're huge crowds so much at this time wanting to see what is going to take place. And it hasn't grown to where the hatred, where they're desiring to kill him yet. But many are genuinely wanting to hear Jesus teach and preach. And I believe they are wanting to hear the words of life from the bread of life and from the, from the well of living water. He's been teaching, preaching, healing, turning the hearts and minds from many to the hypocrisy of the Pharisees to what God truly intended. So he's coming back to Nazareth, and you can imagine the flood of memories from his perfect, infinite mind, seeing people and places he knew so well. You think about it tonight as a, as a childhood boy, Jesus knew all of the problems of his neighbors. He knew all the marital issues that they were dealing with. He knew, the, he knew the one across the street, the teenager that was struggling with rebellion. He knew the one that was wanting to live for God. He knew all of those things, and I doubt very rarely anybody ever actually shared that with the boyhood Jesus. And I can imagine that tonight as he walks through Nazareth, he's reminding, oh yeah, so-and-so lives here, and I know all about that. So-and-so lives here, and they've got, a, they've got a heavy burden on their heart. They've carried it now for the last couple of decades. And, and memories would, would flood his mind. It's interesting the things that come back to your mind when you, when you see things and you, you hear things that you haven't heard in years. 
I remember several, a couple of years ago, I went back to the church auditorium where I was raised in my early years. And I remember as a child that, that auditorium seemed so big. And you would sit over here and you think, man, it was, a, it was a great gulf fix that was on the other side. And you walk in as an adult, you're thinking, man, this isn't so big as I remember it. And I don't know if you're like that, but, but smells bring you back, sights bring you back. Everything brings you back to where you once were. And the Bible, notice with me in verse number two, it says that he was there obviously long enough for the Sabbath day to roll around. And Jesus was going to be where he should be as a Jew. I don't know, maybe he even sat in his usual seat where he always sat growing up. Many of his family obviously will read there, we already read it, still attended there every week and maybe even the same spot, much like we still do the same way today in independent fundamental Baptist churches. They were still there, they were still going, they were still attending. Contrary to many beliefs today, Jesus did have earthly brothers and sisters, at least two of them. James would go on to pastor the church at Jerusalem and write the book of James, and Jude was also would be the writer of that book. And it's not unlikely to believe that they were possibly also gathered together there with maybe spouses and their children as well, too, with their arms around them. But this Sabbath day was going to be different, though. It was the Sabbath day that Jesus was going to be back. And hearing the fame of Jesus, hearing all that he had done, they asked Jesus and they would have welcomed him. They would have given him the scrolls and they would have asked him to read in the synagogue to the people and expound on the scriptures and explain what had been going on. There's no doubt that I believe that they probably wanted to hear firsthand what Jesus had been doing. He was from there. They knew him growing up. They wanted to see and know what was going on. They would have wanted to hear it. So we see it's a familiar place. Look with me secondly. We see in verse number two, we'll begin reading there, we find though there's a proverbial attitude. The Bible says, And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Verse number four, but Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. I want you to listen very carefully tonight. What they expected from Jesus was not what they received. As they begin to hear our Savior teach and preach, they said, hold on a second. Where's he getting these things? Notice the Bible says here in verse number, verse number two, they said, hold on a second. We, we know him. He, he's the carpenter's son. Hold on a second. Where, where, where did he learn these things? You say they had heard many scribes and they'd heard many teachers their entire lives. But no one ever expounded the truths of the Word of God like the Lord Jesus Christ had expounded them. No one knew the Word of God, could I dare say tonight, like the living Word of God. No one had ever heard preaching like Jesus preached. John chapter number 7 talks about when they desired to arrest him there, the Pharisees and Sadducees go to the officers of the temple and they said, why didn't you arrest him? And they said, never man spake like this man. He presented old truths in a new light. And they begin to have their old traditions and their ways and their Judaism stripped from them. Jesus was speaking to their very most inner being. And he taught with such authority. And they listened in astonishment. He taught as the Son of God. 
And this is where things begin to change, though. Look at verse number 3. They begin asking these questions in their mind. Is not he the carpenter? Isn't he the brother of James and Joseph and Jude and Simon? We, we, we know his sisters are right here. And the Bible says, and they were offended at him. As they listened to Jesus, a thought, a doubt, cynicism crept into their mind. And they said, hold on a second, this is the carpenter. We, we enjoy hearing the stories of the, of the blind getting their sight. We enjoy hearing the stories of the, of the lame person walking. We enjoy hearing all these accounts of what Jesus has done uh, through Capernaum and Bethlehem and Judea and Galilee and even up into Samaria. We find those very interesting. But now as he's preaching and teaching the word of God, he's the carpenter. Where, where is this coming from? To them, Jesus was just the, still the local boy from Nazareth. They remember him running through the fields as a boy. Hey, they even knew the rabbi that taught him. Now they knew that he never quarreled, he never, he never fought, he never disobeyed, he never said unkind things. But they were saying in their hearts, where did he learn to speak and where did he learn to, so much about Scripture? What right does a former carpenter have to become a teacher and a preacher of the law? Why is he, is he any better than James and Jude and his sisters? And notice in verse number three, they don't mention his earthly father. They simply call Jesus the carpenter. And they mention then his mother and siblings. Now, the Gospel of Mark doesn't tell us what they thought about Jesus' birth and if they believed or not that it was miraculous but we do know that his brothers James and John do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah until after the resurrection. We do know that from Scripture. We even know from Scripture that James and John and even Mary go to Jesus at one point as he's out teaching and preaching. And they go and they try to pull Jesus from his ministry and from what he was doing, thinking that essentially he had lost it and he's been working, he's been doing too much, and they try to pull him from that. Now they do know Mary is royal. They know her genealogy, but she's just a poor woman now. It all comes down to verse number three where they, the Bible says they were offended at him. I want you to note this. The astonishment and amazement over him turned to them being offended at him. The astonishment at him turned to being offended at him. They were offended because they knew the Jesus from birth to 30. And who they thought he was now didn't fit with who they thought he should be. They were too familiar with Jesus, and they didn't honor him. And the Bible says that in verse number 4. It says, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country. Someone once said about this passage of Scripture, an expert is an ordinary fellow from another town. An expert is an ordinary fellow from another town. Our pastor has preached in this pulpit truths of the Word of God for 44 years. But someone could come in here on one service and say the same thing, and people would say, wow, it's never been said like that before, and it's been said like that for 44 years. Why? Because an expert is an ordinary fellow from another town. If anyone from another place came teaching what Jesus did and came with the testimony that Jesus had of the works done somewhere else, they would have received him gladly, and there would have been no problem but they were familiar with Jesus. They were, could I say, too familiar with Jesus. And listen to me very carefully tonight what I'm about to say, and do not misunderstand it. 
But for you and I tonight, there is a great danger of being too familiar with Jesus. Not that we can know him too much. Not that we can spend too much time with him. The Apostle Paul, in fact, said his goal was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. That's a, that's a great goal to have, to, to have the mind of Christ, to know the mind of Christ. But the danger for you and I tonight is that we, we think we know him too well. And so we stop seeking him and his will and his way. The people of Nazareth thought they knew Jesus. I believe tonight this is an area of stumbling for many Christians. Many tonight would say, I, I, I know my Bible, and we, we skim over it when we read it. I know that story. In fact, I've taught it many times in Sunday school. And so we don't listen to the Word of God with our heart, and we sometimes we, we tune it out completely. I've read my Bible before. I've, I've spent the last January reading Genesis 1-1 and going through it for years. I, I know what it says. And we never allow the Holy Spirit of God to take the Word of God and speak to our heart fresh and new each day. And you think about that attitude tonight that we can all have and all be guilty of, that, 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 that we know God and we know what He has to say, but you think about the pride that is involved in, in that attitude. Really? Do, do we really know the Son of God? Do we really know, have we, have we really exhausted the Creator of this universe? Have we really exhausted all that the Bible says about the author and the finisher of our faith? And so it comes to where we even get to the place, listen tonight, where we get downright offended at God when He does something or He requires something of us that we didn't expect. We say, I knew what you were supposed to do. I know what you're supposed to do, God. I, I've been at this thing a long time. I've read my Bible a lot. I know all the stories. I, I know all the things about you. Why is this taking place right now? Why is this going on in my life? I know what you're supposed to do. I know what it's supposed to be like. And we get offended because God does something or allows something that we didn't expect. And what we've done, we have... Literally, we have fashioned a God after our own liking. And we have made to ourselves a, a token religion of what we believe God should be. And when he doesn't do what we believe he should do, we get offended at him. How could God allow this to happen to someone I love? Why would God do this to me? Why would God require this of me? And we sound just like the people of Nazareth sitting in that synagogue. Who is this? He's the carpenter. Why, why, why is he, why, what right does he have to preach like that? Who, who, who is he after all? We, we know him. And we become offended. When a closer walk with the Lord would answer all of those questions of who he is and would help us to trust him more. We see now a powerful statement in verse number five. Look at this. The Bible says, and he could there <clears throat> do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went round about the villages teaching. What a sad indictment on the people of Nazareth. The hometown of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says here he could do no mighty work. 
You would think of all places it would be there that they would receive him as their Messiah. You would think of all places in the, in, the, in the city of Nazareth, he would be able to do great things among them, and then they would then get a hold of that, and they would go on and do great things for the Lord Jesus Christ. You would even think possibly instead of, instead of the church at Antioch that sent the apostle Paul out and sent missionaries out across Asia Minor and that world, you would think maybe it would even be possible that, that Nazareth would do that. But, he says, he could do no mighty work there save he laid his hands, and this is the wording of the scriptures, a few sick folk, a few, and he healed them. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus, the Son of God, get this, the one who spoke this world into existence, the one who spoke into existence all the, the beauty of creation that we see, everything that we see in, in six days, the Bible says that same God was amazed and he marveled because of their unbelief. If we could put it in our terms tonight, I think we would say he was speechless. He, 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 he was shocked and, and he was amazed beyond words. Now this is where it comes to you and I tonight. Please listen and please understand, I believe in many cases tonight, he is still amazed and he still stands in, in shock at our unbelief. Why? Because we don't have the capital L living word before us, but we do have the capital W written word. And just as he stood the living word before the people of Nazareth, we have the written word before us tonight. And in our laps, and in our homes, and just like the people of Nazareth, we see how he's worked in the lives of other people. We could stand and testify tonight, and we could stand as we've just gone through Thanksgiving week, and we could stand and we could give testify, and we could give testimony all night long about the goodness of God in our life, and God's done this, and God's done that, and God saved my soul, and God worked in this area, and God worked in that area, and God brought this about in my life. And we give testimony on and on and on. And we sound just like the people of Nazareth sitting, though, in that synagogue. We see all that. We hear all that. We know the Word of God. We give testament to the things and the miracles of God. But many times we sit back with skepticism like the people of Nazareth in that synagogue and say, well, I don't know about raising my kids the Bible way. I just don't know about disciplining them like the Bible says. I mean, I know the Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. But I just don't know about scriptures that I should discipline my child. I just don't know about scriptures, about what the Bible says about how to, how to lead my home as a husband. I just don't know about scriptures, how the Bible says I ought to be a, a wife that is submissive to my husband, and we, we work together and we serve God. We're on the same page, and we, we live for God, and we train our children for God and raise a generation for God. I'm not even sure it works anymore. And we stand back in skepticism when we have the written word of God before us and all the testimony of all the people of all generations. And we stand back and we say, I'm not sure that that works. I'm not sure that soul winning works. I'm not sure if God can do what the pastor says God can do. I'm not sure I, I really want to get involved. I mean, after all, I do a lot of other things. And on and on we go. I wonder tonight as we stood and if we would stand before God, if there would be a similar indictment against us. And God would say, I couldn't, listen, I, I couldn't do all I wanted to do there or in their life because of your unbelief. 
Yea, even your disobedience, your, your skepticism at what my word said. Now, God will do a, a few things in a few folks' life, just like he did here in scriptures, simply because his word will not return void. You, you, can, put, you can put scripture, you can put tracts in, in, in public restrooms on a gas station pump, and people will get saved from those types of things, reading a tract and being a witness. Why? Because God's word will not return void. God will do a few things through a few folks. But why aren't we asking God to do more? Why are we begging God to do more? Why are we believing that God can do more? You say, I, I believe and I'm clenching my fist. I'm, I'm squeezing my eyes tight. That's not faith. Faith is obedience. Faith is saying, I believe this word so much that I'm going to act upon it. I'm going to do what it says to do. And we step out and we obey God in the matter of our faith, in the matter of our finances, in the matter of our family, in the matter of your ministry. And you simply do what God says to do and you exercise your faith. But the Son of God marvels at our unbelief. The God of all heaven has given us a perfect account of his dealings with mankind throughout the ages in his book. He saved us. He's worked in undeniable ways in all of our lives. We would even say tonight we want him to speak to us and deal with us like the people of Nazareth did. We would welcome him. We would even say tonight, just like they gave Jesus the floor in that synagogue to, to preach, we even give floor and we give attention and audience to the Word of God. But when He does speak to you, do you doubt it? Sometimes we get so fickle, and I'm the same way, we get, we get so fickle and weak in our faith in what God can do, it, it literally freezes us. Well, I, I don't know if God can save them. I, I, I don't know if, if God could provide the finances to retire our debt. I don't know if God can help me be bitter at that person who's hurt me in life. I don't know if I can be the husband that I ought to be. And we literally, we become frozen and we don't do anything because of a, a lack of faith. And on and on we go throughout life. One thing is sure tonight, if you and I, whether it's personally or whether it's our church, if we do not exercise greater faith in God than we are right now, He will not do any more through us than he's already done. What is needed, again, is not more clenching of the fist and squeezing of the eyes tight. What is needed is a greater obedience to the Word of God. What is needed is for us to stop thinking we know him, stop making God like we want him to be, and just obey what he's already given us in his Word. What you and I really believe, what we have faith in, it comes out in our practice from how we raise our children, to how our marriages look, to how we are good stewards or not of our finances, whatever it might be, what we say we believe comes out in our practice. Tonight, not much has changed in 2,000 years. God will either marvel at your faith or he will marvel at your unbelief. Tonight, what has God spoken to you tonight that, he is, that, he's, that he's given to you? Tonight, what is, it, what is in your life that God has surprised you with that has made you waver in your belief for Him? What has God brought about in your life? Or what, what have you found that maybe you've gotten tired of, of a command in His Word and you say, well, I just, you become skeptical about what He has commanded you in His Word, whether it's your raising of your children, whether it's your family, whether it's your finances. What has He surprised you with 
that has made you waver in your obedience. Can I tell you this tonight in closing? It may have been a surprise to you, but nothing is ever a surprise to him. We are to trust and we are to obey him. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.